Hello? 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 Yes, this is MCO. Hello? This is MCO. Hello? Hello? This is another MCO and transmission. And welcome back to the Lotus Underground. This is MC Owens, and I'm making this transmission today for all the Lotus Underground Patreon members. And for everyone who listens to the Lotus Underground SoundCloud, I appreciate you tuning in. Today I'm going to do a recitation of the Ashoka Data Sutra. This is a very special sutra with a very important message. Ashoka Data, whose name means the gift of fearlessness or the virtue of fearlessness, is a bodhisattva who happens to be a 12-year-old girl, and she has a very powerful teaching for us regarding discrimination, prejudice, and inequality. I just finished giving a three-part series of talks on this sutra and pretty much went through the whole thing for my Dharma Doors class that I teach on Sunday nights at 7 for the San Francisco Dharma Collective. Those classes are up on the SFDC YouTube page with the rest of the Dharma Doors classes, and you can tune into those classes on Sunday nights at 7 at sfdharmacollective.org. And finally, if you're not already a Patreon member, please consider supporting the Lotus Underground. Every little bit helps keep the dream alive. You can find out more at lotusunderground.com or Patreon backslash MCOwens, or you can find me on social media. I'm at Blabutta, B-L-E-U-B-U-D-D-H-A. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the recitation. This is the Ashokadatta Vyakaranya Sutra, the prophecy of Bodhisattva fearless virtues, attainment of Buddhahood. From the Ratnakuta Sutra, the Peak of Jewels, number 32. Thus have I heard. Once the world-honored one was dwelling on Mount Gridrakuta, near the city of Rajgriha, accompanied by five hundred monks. Countless bodhisattva mahasattvas were also present, and eight thousand of them led the rest. These leaders had all acquired samadhis and dharanis, had penetrated well into emptiness, signlessness, and wishlessness, the three doors of liberation. They had acquired a good command of miraculous powers and had achieved the realization of the non-arising of dharmas. Among them were Bodhisattva Maru, Bodhisattva Mahamaru, Bodhisattva constantly entering samadhi, Bodhisattva ever vigorous, Bodhisattva precious hand, Bodhisattva roots of constant joy, Bodhisattva worthy strength, Bodhisattva Precious Form, Bodhisattva Rahu, Bodhisattva Chakra God, Bodhisattva Water God, Bodhisattva High Aspiration, Bodhisattva Superior Aspiration, Bodhisattva Intense Aspiration, and so forth. During the World Honored One's stay near the city of Rajgriha, the king, princes, brahmins, elders, and lay devotees all worshipped, praised, and made offerings to the Buddha. At that time, the World Honored One was teaching the Dharma to the incalculable hundreds of thousands of millions of followers who surrounded him respectfully. 
One morning, in accordance with the rules, numerous shravakas, including Venerable Shariputra, Venerable Mahamagulyayana, Venerable Mahakashapya, Venerable Shibuti, Venerable Purna Maitreya Yaniputra, Venerable Ravata, Venerable Ashvajit, Venerable Upali, Venerable Rahula, and Venerable Ananda, all dressed in monastic robes and holding bowls in their hands, went into the great city of Rajgriha for the sole purpose of begging food from house to house. Begging in this way, these Shravakas gradually approached the palace where King Ajatashatru lived. King Ajatashatru had a daughter named Ashokadatta, fearless virtue, a maiden incomparable in beauty and grace. She had achieved the most distinctive merits in all the world, although that year she was just twelve years old. She was sitting with golden jeweled shoes on her feet in her father's royal hall. When she saw the Shravakas, she did not stand up to welcome them, but sat in silence, not exchanging greetings with them, saluting them, or asking them to be seated. Seeing Ashokadatta sitting silently, King Ajatashatru asked her, do you not know that these men are all the foremost disciples of Shakyamuni Tathagata? Do you not know that they have achieved the great Dharma and are fields of blessings in the world? It is out of compassion for sentient beings that they beg for food. Now that you have seen them, why do you not stand up to welcome them? Why not salute them, exchange greetings with them, and ask them to be seated? Now, what on earth do you have in mind that keeps you from standing up to welcome them? Ashokadatta asked her royal father, Has your majesty ever seen or heard of a universal monarch standing to welcome minor kings? The king answered, No. Has your majesty ever seen or heard of a lion, the king of beasts, rising to welcome jackals? No. Has your majesty ever seen or heard of a chakra receiving his celestial subjects or that Brahma salutes his celestial subjects? No. Has your majesty ever seen or heard of the god of a vast ocean paying homage to gods of rivers and ponds? No. Has your majesty ever seen or heard of the king of mountains Sumeru pay homage to kings of hills? No. Has your majesty ever seen or heard of the gods of the sun or of the moon saluting fireflies? No. The maiden Ashokadatta said, Therefore, your majesty, why should a bodhisattva, who in great kindness and compassion has vowed to pursue supreme unsurpassable enlightenment, pay homage to Shravakas of the Hinayana, the little vehicle, who have neither great kindness nor great compassion. Your Majesty, why should one who follows the path leading to supreme enlightenment, who is like a lion, the king of beasts, salute those who follow the Hinayana, who are like jackals? Your Majesty, if one is already engaged in a vigorous effort to seek the great, pure path, should they associate with Shravakas, 
of small and few good roots? Your Majesty, if a person wishes to go to a sea of great wisdom to seek a thorough knowledge of the great Dharma in its entirety, do they bother to turn to Shravakas, whose knowledge, based on the Buddha's oral teachings, is as limited as the water in a cow's hoofprint? Your Majesty, if one wishes to reach Buddhahood, the spiritual Mount Sumaru, and acquire the infinite body of a Tathagata, should they pay homage to Shravakas, who seek only as much samadhi power as could be confined in the space of a tiny mustard seed? Your Majesty, the merits and wisdom of Shravakas may be compared to the light of a firefly, because their illumination can only benefit themselves, and their understanding of Dharma comes only through hearing the Buddha's oral teachings. If a person has already learned of the merits and wisdom of Tathagatas, which may be likened to sunlight and moonlight, should they salute Shravakas? Your Majesty, I will not pay homage to Shravakas, even after the Buddha attains nirvana, let alone now, when the world-honored one still remains in the world. Why? Your Majesty, the reason is, one who associates closely with Shravakas will vow to attain Shravakahood. One who associates closely with Pratekyabuddhas, solitary sages, will vow to attain Pratekyabuddhahood, solitary sagehood. One who associates closely with the supremely enlightened one will vow to attain supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment. After saying this, Ashokadatta spoke in verse to her father, King Ajatushatru, saying, Like a person who ventures to seek a fortune at sea, and yet returns with one coin only, so precisely do Shravakas behave. Having reached the great ocean of Dharma, they disregard the treasures of the Mahayana, and engender only the narrow aspiration to follow the little Hinayana path. If a person associates closely with a king and enjoys free access to the palace, but asks that king for only one coin, his intimacy with the king is in vain. If one with a respectful mind keeps close to a universal monarch and asks him for millions of ounces of gold to help numerous poor people, his intimacy with the king is indeed fruitful. To the person who asks for one coin, a shravaka may be compared. Instead of seeking true liberation, he pursues only a minor nirvana. If one engenders a narrow aspiration, seeking his own deliverance only and not others, then just like a minor doctor who can only cure himself, he deserves no respect from the wise. A great skillful healer, with a kind and compassionate heart and a command of all methods of treatment can heal vast numbers of the sick, winning respect and a good reputation. Similarly, those who bring forth bodhicitta, the spirit of enlightenment, can cure all beings' afflictions. Your Majesty, a grove of castor oil plants gives forth no flowers' fragrance and provides no good shade. Likewise, a shravaka does not resolve to save the world. 
However, a bodhisattva can benefit all, like a huge tree giving shelter. Small brooks can be dried up by the flames of the autumn sun before they can reach the ocean, and so cannot nurture myriad beings. The Shravaka path, like the water in that narrow, lowly hoofprint of a cow, cannot eliminate the afflictions of sentient beings. Upon a small hill, one cannot acquire a golden-hued body. It is upon Mount Sumeru that everyone appears golden. Your Majesty, Bodhisattvas are like Mount Sumeru because they stay in the world. Beings can be liberated and have bodies of that same golden hue. Bodhisattvas are endowed with all-knowing wisdom, which, like productive land, can support numberless beings. But the wisdom of Shravakas, who do not realize the Dharma, is like the morning dew, incapable of moistening the world. A Shravaka is like a dewdrop on a flower, while a Bodhisattva is like a downpour, or the nurturing water of a vast lake. All those who associate closely with them attain the great dharma. Men and women do not enjoy the rhododendron, which has no scent, but all enjoy the wonderful fragrant of the magnolia flower and the blue lotus. A shravaka is like a rhododendron flower. His wisdom cannot help sentient beings. A bodhisattva is like a magnolia flower. Out of compassion, they convert numerous beings. Your Majesty, do you know which is more unusual? One who dwells in the wilderness or one who benefits many people? To provide security to countless beings and ferry them over the ocean of samsara, you should bring forth bodhicitta and not follow the path of the two vehicles. Just as a good guide can show the right way to people lost in the wilderness, so can bodhisattvas guide others out of samsara. Your Majesty, have you ever seen a small raft sailing across a vast ocean? Only a huge ship can do so, carrying numerous beings. Your Majesty, while a shravaka is like a raft, a bodhisattva is like a huge ship, after being permeated with the Dharma, while cultivating the path, they can ferry sentient beings over the ocean of hunger and thirst. Your Majesty, have you ever seen a man fighting a battle on a donkey? One can win a battle only on a horse or an elephant. A shravaka is like a donkey, while a bodhisattva is like a dragon elephant defeating demons under the Bodhi tree and delivering countless beings from samsara. In the nocturnal sky, all the stars fall into shadow when the full moon rises to illuminate every corner of the world. A shravaka is like a star, while a bodhisattva is like the full moon. Out of compassion for sentient beings, they show the way to nirvana. The light of a firefly cannot help a person work, but when the sun illuminates the earth, all activities may proceed. A shravaka, like the glow of a firefly, cannot benefit many, but a Buddha, endowed with the light of liberation, has compassion for all beings. 
A jackal cannot by its howl frighten the king of beasts. But when the lion roars, flying birds fall to the ground. Your Majesty, Shravakas fail to bring forth bodhicitta. They eliminate afflictions, but not to benefit sentient beings. Seeing this, I do not vow to become a Shravaka, since I have already engendered the great resolve. Why should I now make such a small vow? Your Majesty, if one who is fortunate enough to obtain a human body can cherish the unexcelled resolve to save all beings from samsara and give up the small path of the Hinayana, they will have a good human body and also good fortune. It is best, if born in this world, to bring forth that unexcelled resolve to seek the supreme path and deliver all beings. One who can help themselves and others is well worth extolling. They acquire worldly renown as well as the ultimate truth. Therefore, I do not salute these shravakas. Then King Ajatashatru reproached Ashokadatta, saying, You arrogant girl! How dare you not welcome these shravakas when you see them? The maiden said, do not say that, Your Majesty. Your Majesty is arrogant, too. Why do you not welcome all the poor of the city of Rajgriha? The king answered, They are not my peers. Why should I welcome them? The maiden said, A novice bodhisattva is also like that. No Shravaka or even Pratekya is her peer. The king asked his daughter, do you not know that bodhisattvas respect all sentient beings? Ashokadatta answered, Your Majesty, a bodhisattva respects them all in order to save the arrogant, irate beings and make them turn their minds toward universal enlightenment. It is in order to augment sentient beings' good roots that a bodhisattva extends respect to all. However, Shravakas are already free of anger and hatred and are unable to increase their good roots. Your Majesty, even though hundreds of thousands of Buddhas explain the wonderful Dharma to them, they will not improve in discipline, meditation, or samadhi. Your Majesty, a Shravaka is like a piece of lapis lazuli, unable to contain anything, but a Bodhisattva is like a precious container. Your Majesty, a bottle which is full cannot take in even a drop of rain from the sky. In the same way, a shravaka, even after hundreds of thousands of Buddhas, Tathagatas, explain the wonderful Dharma to him, he cannot be helped to improve in discipline, meditation, or wisdom. Nor can he cause sentient beings to aspire to all-knowing wisdom. Your Majesty, a vast ocean can receive the water of rivers, rains, and so forth. And why? Because it is an immeasurable container. Your Majesty, when a great Bodhisattva teaches the Dharma, those who listen will be greatly helped and all their good roots will increase. Why? Because the Bodhisattvas are vessels containing infinite kinds of beneficial discourses. Hearing his daughter saying this, King Ajatashatru sank into silence. At that time, 
the Venerable Shariputra had this thought. Ashoka Datta is so eloquent that she can deliver this boundless discourse. Let me step forward to ask her a few questions. I, I will find out whether she has realized the truth. Thereupon he approached the maiden and asked, Do you abide in the Shravaka vehicle? Ashokadatta answered, No. Do you abide in the Pratekya Buddha vehicle? No. Do you abide in the great vehicle, the Mahayana? No. Shariputra asked further, Then in what vehicle do you abide that you are able to make such a lion's roar? The maiden answered, Venerable Shariputra, if I were abiding in anything now, it would be impossible for me to make a lion's roar. Since I abide in nothing, I can make a lion's roar. However, Shariputra, you asked, in what vehicle do you abide? Does the Dharma realized and achieved by you, Shariputra, consist of different vehicles, such as the Shravaka vehicle, the Pratekya Buddha vehicle, and the Great Vehicle? Shariputra said, Please listen to me. The Dharma I have realized has no such distinct signs as vehicle or non-vehicle, because it has only one sign, namely signlessness. Ashokadatta replied, Venerable Shariputra, if the Dharma is signless, how can it be sought? Ashokadatta, what is the difference in excellence between the Dharma of the Buddha and the Dharma of ordinary people? What is the difference between emptiness and quiescence? Shariputra replied, there is no difference. Shariputra, just as there is no difference in excellence between emptiness and quiescence, so there is no difference in excellence between the Dharma of Buddhas and the Dharma of ordinary people. Furthermore, Shariputra, just as space, while embracing all forms, is not different from them, so the Dharma of Buddhas is not different from the Dharmas of ordinary persons nor can the two be distinguished by signs. Then Venerable Mahamadgulyayana asked Ashokadatta, What difference do you see between a Buddha and a Shravaka that prevented you from standing up to welcome these great Shravakas, greet them, and yield your seat to them? Ashokadatta replied to Mahamadgulyayana, Shravakas are like stars, which cannot illuminate anything clearly even though they are everywhere throughout the billion-fold world universe. When Shravakas enter dhyana, they have enough wisdom to know something, but when they do not enter dhyana, they know nothing. But it is impossible to know the minds of sentient beings without entering dhyana. Mahamadguyayana A Buddha can, without entering dhyana, teach the Dharma according to the inclinations of sentient beings and liberate them in worlds as numerous as the sands of the Ganges River, because he is proficient in reading sentient beings' minds. This marvelous deed of Buddhas, Tathagatas, is quite beyond Shravakas, 
who may be likened to the weak lights of stars. Furthermore, Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many worlds are being formed and how many are being destroyed? Mahamagulayana replied, No, they cannot. Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many Buddhas have already entered Nirvana? How many will enter Nirvana? And how many are currently entering Nirvana? No, they cannot. Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many sentient beings are especially prone to greed, hatred, and delusion? And how many are equally prone to greed, hatred, and delusion? No, they cannot. Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many sentient beings accept the Shravaka vehicle, how many accept the Pratekya Buddha vehicle, and how many accept the Buddha vehicle? No, they cannot. Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many sentient beings can be delivered by Shravakas, and how many can be delivered by Pratekya Buddhas, and how many can be delivered by Buddhas? No, they cannot. Mahamagulayana, can Shravakas know how many sentient beings have right view and have decided to pursue supreme unsurpassable enlightenment? And how many have decided to pursue other heterodox teachings? No, they cannot. Ashoka Datta said, Mahamagulayana, only the Tathagata, the perfectly enlightened one, understands the realm of sentient beings as it is and can skillfully explain the Dharma to them. This ability is quite beyond the domain of Shravakas and Pratekya Buddhas, let alone other people. Mahamagulayana, you should know that this unique ability of the Tathagata results from his all-knowing wisdom, which no Shravaka or Pratekya Buddha has. Then Ashokadatta continued to Venerable Mahamagulayana. The World Honored One often says that Mahamagulayana stands first in miraculous powers. Mahamagulayana, can you, by your miraculous powers, reach the world named Gandahastan, fragrant elephant, and witness that the trees there all exude a most wonderful fragrance? like that of sandalwood? Mahamagulayana answered, This is the first time I have heard the name of that world. How can I go there? Then he asked the maiden, What is the name of the Buddha who teaches the Dharma in that world? The maiden answered, The Buddha who teaches the Dharma there is named Tathagata emitting fragrant light, the worthy one the all-knowing one. Mahamagulayana asked the maiden, How can one see that Buddha Tathagata emitting fragrant light? Thereupon Ashokadatta, remaining motionless on her seat, made this declaration, If a mere novice bodhisattva truly surpasses all Shravakas and Pratekya Buddhas, May Tathagata, emitting fragrant light, because of my declaration, appear here, 
and cause the Shravakas and Prateki Buddhas present to see the world named Gandahastin, fragrant elephant, and to smell the most wonderful fragrance like that of sandalwood exuding from the trees there. After Ashokadatta had made this declaration, Tathagata, emitting fragrant light, gave forth a light from his body. And because of that light, all the Shravakas with Ashokadatta saw the world, Gandahastin, fragrant elephant. That Buddha was sitting behind a silken net and teaching the Dharma to Bodhisattvas and others who surrounded him. His preaching could be heard clearly by those with Ashokadatta. By that Buddha's miraculous powers, they also smelled the fragrance of the trees there, which was like that of the most exquisite sandalwood. The Buddha in that world said, So, so it is, is, so it is. is. Just, Just as Ashokadatta said, said, even the initial stage of a bodhisattva is beyond the domain of Shravakas and Pratekya Buddhas. When this Dharma was being taught, Bodhisattva Mahasattva Maitreya, sitting on Mount Gridrakuta, asked Shakyamuni Buddha, World Honored One, why is there such a wonderful fragrance of trees? The Buddha said, Maitreya, Ashokadatta is discussing the Dharma with the Shravakas and has made a declaration. Knowing this, the Buddha of the world called Gandahastin, fragrant elephant, by his miraculous powers, has caused this fragrance to be perceived and has revealed his land. The most wonderful fragrance, like that of sandalwood, issuing from there is now permeating this billion-fold world universe. In the palace of King Ajatashatru, Ashokadatta said to Mahamagulyayana, if a person sees such an inconceivable, superb deed and still has the narrow, inferior aspiration of a shravaka, seeking only to deliver himself, then you should know that his good roots are very few and insignificant indeed. Who would not bring forth bodhicitta after seeing a bodhisattva perform immeasurable, meritorious deeds? Mahamagulyayana do you know how far from here is that Buddha's world, Gandahastin? Mahamagulyayana answered, No, I do not. Ashokadatta said, Mahamagulyayana, it is absolutely impossible to know and see that Buddha's world. With the aid of ordinary miraculous powers, even in hundreds of thousands of kalpas, the world Gandahastin, fragrant elephant, is located in a place as many Buddha lands away from here as there are reeds and bushes in all the forests in the world. Then that Buddha, Tathagata emitting fragrant light, withdrew his light, and as a result, the world Gandahastin, fragrant elephant, and its Tathagata both disappeared suddenly. Thereupon, Venerable Mahakashepya asked Ashokadatta, Did you see that world Gandahastin, fragrant elephant, and that Tathagata, 
the worthy one, the all-knowing one, emitting fragrant light? Ashokadatta answered, Mahakashapya, can the Tathagata be seen? The Buddha has said, Those who see me by form or seek me by sound are treading the wrong path and can never see the Tathagata. Since the Tathagata's bodies are no other than the Dharma body, and the Dharma body is beyond the reach of vision and hearing, how can the Tathagata be known or seen? The Buddha freely manifests any corporal form to suit every sentient being. This is the Buddha's upaya. However, Mahakashapya, you asked me, did you see that world and that Buddha, the perfectly enlightened one? I see that Buddha not with my physical eye because he is not a form to be seen with the physical eye. I see that Buddha not with the divine eye because he is free of all sense. I see that Buddha not with the wisdom eye because he is detached from perception. I see that Buddha not with the Dharma eye because he rises above conditioning. I see that Buddha not with the Buddha eye because he is beyond consciousness. Mahakashyapya, I see that Buddha by purging the mind of ignorance, desirous craving, and all selfish views, just as Venerable Mahakashyapya does. Moreover, I see that Buddha by eliminating the view of I and mine, just as the Venerable Mahakashyapya does. Mahakashyapya asked the maiden, If no Dharma ever exists, how can ignorance, craving, and the I and mine arise, since no sentient being can be seen? Ashokadatta asked in turn, If no Dharma ever exists, how can anything be seen? Mahakashapya asked, Is the Buddha Dharma also ultimately non-existent so that it too cannot be seen? Ashokadatta then asked, do you see any growth or expansion of the Buddha Dharma? Mahakashapya answered, I do not even know the dharmas of ordinary people, let alone the Buddha Dharma. Ashokadatta said, So, Venerable Mahakashapya, there being no Buddha Dharma, how can there be in an interruption or resumption of it, as seen by those who have not realized the Dharma nature? Mahakashapya, all dharmas are non-existent, so they can never appear. If dharmas do not exist in the first place, how can there be a pure dharma realm to be seen? Mahakashapya, if good men or good women wish to see the pure Tathagata, they should first purify their own minds. Then Mahakashapya asked Ashokadatta, how can one purify well one's own mind? Ashokadatta answered, Mahakashapya, if one believes that she herself and all dharmas are suchness and are therefore devoid of action or loss, she will see the purity of her own mind. Mahakashapya asked, what is the substance of one's own mind?
Ashokadatta answered, It is emptiness. If one realizes the mind is empty, they will believe in the emptiness of themselves. As a result, they will also have faith in the emptiness of suchness itself, because all dharmas are by nature quiescent. Then Venerable Mahakashapya asked Ashokadatta, From which Buddha did you hear this doctrine, so that you acquired right view? The Buddha says that there are two ways to obtain right view, by hearing the Dharma explained by others, and by thinking within oneself. The maiden answered, Mahakashapya, I acquired right view by first hearing external discourses, and afterwards thinking within myself. Mahakashapya, without the help of others' verbal teaching, how can a great bodhisattva abide in ultimate quiescence? Mahakashapya said, One reflects within oneself according to the Dharma they have heard. This is the practice of contemplation. Then Mahakashapya asked the maiden further, How does a bodhisattva reflect within herself? Mahakashapya, when a bodhisattva joins other bodhisattvas in teaching the Dharma and in other Dharma activities, she does not perceive any form of sentient beings. Then she succeeds in internal contemplation. Mahakashapya, all dharmas partake of the past, present, and future because all dharmas have suchness as their very substance, and are manifested in suchness. One who has this insight is a bodhisattva who has achieved internal contemplation. This you should know. How can one be in harmony with dharmas? Mahakashapya, one should view them as suchness, without being attached to them or liberated from them. What kind of view is right view? Mahakashapya, right view is free from the two extremes, is neither active nor inactive, and therefore is a view and yet not a view. Mahakashapya, the Dharma is only a name. It is actually apart from the name, because Dharma itself can never be realized. Then Mahakashapya asked the maiden further, How should one perceive the I? Ashokadatta answered, Just as the Venerable Mahakashapya does. Mahakashapya said, I perceive neither the I nor mine. Ashokadatta said to Venerable Mahakashapya, One should perceive all dharmas in this way, for there is no I or mine. When this doctrine was spoken, Venerable Shabuti was overjoyed and said to Ashokadatta, You must have attained great insight to achieve such eloquence. Ashokadatta said to Venerable Shabuti, Shabuti, are there such distinctions as attainable and unattainable among dharmas? Or is there anything that can be sought? What causes you to tell me that I have well achieved such eloquence? 
In my opinion, I have eloquence because I perceive nothing internal or external. Shibuti at once asked the maiden, What realization or dharma enables you to have such ready, wonderful eloquence? Ashokadatta answered, I do not know by myself or with the help of others the difference between wholesome dharmas and unwholesome dharmas. Knowing dharmas in this way, I see nothing impure or pure, defiled or undefiled, conditioned or unconditioned, mundane or supermundane. I do not see any dharma as a dharma of ordinary people because every dharma is the Buddha dharma in substance. Because I see no such distinctions, I have acquired the Buddha dharma without seeing a Buddha. Shibuti, those who know this and perceive no such distinctions will have such eloquence. Shibuti asked, What is eloquence? Ashokadatta answered, Shibuti, it is the elimination of all of your attainments. Ashokadatta continued, Although dharmas are expressed, their substance is neither heard nor attained. So it is with eloquence. Then Ashokadatta asked Venerable Shibuti, Can one abide in the substance of things? Can it increase or decrease? If not, how can one have eloquence? Shibuti at once answered, One can have eloquence if one realizes that there is no difference between non-defilement and all dharmas and that they are beyond argument and expression, since the substance of dharmas is inexpressible. Ashokadatta asked, Venerable Shibuti, all dharmas being so, why did you say you must have gained great insight to achieve such eloquence? Shibuti asked in turn, Now, this very question of yours to me, is it because you have acquired eloquence that you were able to raise it, or because you have not acquired eloquence that you are able to raise it? Ashokadatta asked Venerable Shibuti, Do you believe that all dharmas are like echoes, as the Buddha says? Shibuti replied, I believe it. Ashokadatta asked, Does an echo have eloquence or not? Shibuti replied, it is because there is a sound in the valley that an echo is heard outside. Ashokadatta said, Shibuti, because there is a sound, there is an echo. Does an echo have an entity or form? It has neither. And why? Because that which arises from causes and conditions does not truly arise. Shibuti said, All dharmas arise from causes and conditions. Ashokadatta said, No dharma arises in substance or by nature. Shibuti asked, If all dharmas are ultimately non-existence in substance and by nature, how can the Tathagata say, Sentient beings as numerous as the sands of the Ganges rivers will attain supreme unsurpassable enlightenment and all become Buddhas? Ashokadatta asked in turn, Can the dharma realm arise? Shibuti replied, No, it cannot. 
Ashokadatta said, All Buddhas, Tathagatas, are the nature and form of the Dharma realm. Shibuti said, I do not perceive any Dharma realm. Ashokadatta said, The Buddha always teaches non-arising in his discourses. Yet he says that sentient beings, as numerous as the sands of the Ganges rivers, will attain supreme unsurpassable enlightenment and all become Buddhas. What does this mean? Why does he say so? Actually, all his discourses are not discourses. Because the Dharma realm neither arises nor ceases, it is ultimately pure, for it is not an event. It is beyond all words and expressions and apart from all mundane reality. Shibuti said, How extraordinary you are! Although you lead a lay life, you can explain the Dharma very skillfully and have inexhaustible eloquence. Ashokadatta said, Shibuti, a bodhisattva's eloquence has nothing to do with acquisition or non-acquisition, learning or non-learning, renouncing the household life or not renouncing it. And why? Because a bodhisattva's wisdom comes from purity of mind, and along with wisdom, eloquence appears. Ashokadatta said to Venerable Shibuti, Now, let us discuss the Bodhisattva's practice. Shibuti said, Speak, and I will listen. Ashokadatta said, Shibuti, if a Bodhisattva has achieved eight things, it makes no difference whether she renounces the household life or not. And what are the eight? To acquire purity of body and deep faith in enlightenment. To have great kindness and compassion and never to forsake any sentient being. To master all worldly affairs because of great kindness and great compassion. To be able to give up life and limb and achieve ingenuity. To be able to make infinite vows. To consummate the practice of perfect wisdom and be detached from all views. To have great courage and vigor to cultivate good karmas without satiation and to acquire unhindered wisdom as a result of attaining the realization of the non-arising of dharmas. Shibuti, if a bodhisattva has achieved these eight things, it makes no difference whether she renounces the household life or not. She can abide in enlightenment without hindrance, whether she walks, stands, sits, or lies down. Then Venerable Rahula said to Ashokadatta, Your discourse is not pure. You wear jeweled shoes and sit in a high couch while discussing the Dharma with these Shravakas. Have you not heard that one should not explain the Dharma to those who are not sick while sitting on a high couch? Thereupon, Ashokadatta asked Rahula, Do you really know what is pure and what is impure? Venerable Rahula, is this world pure? Rahula replied, It is neither pure nor impure, Ashokadatta. Those who accept and practice the precepts set forth by the Tathagata and then break them can be said to be pure or impure. 
But those who never break the precepts are neither pure nor impure. Ashokadatta said, Stop! Stop! Do not say so! Those who practice the Dharma as taught and the precepts as set forth, those can be said to be impure, whether they later break the precepts or not. Rahula, those who have realized the undefiled Dharma can never break the precepts, and therefore they are neither pure nor impure. How so? Because such shravakas have transcended the Dharma and the precepts. It is for the shravakas in the three realms who are still in the learning stage that the, that the Tathagata teaches the Dharma, while those shravakas who have transcended the Dharma and the precepts have also transcended the three realms. In this sense, we speak of transcending or not transcending the three realms. Since some people are ignorant of the true nature of precepts, purity and impurity are mentioned, though they, like empty space, are nothing but expressions. This can only be seen by means of wisdom. It is in this light that purity and impurity can be spoken of. Rahula asked, What is the difference between purity and impurity? Ashokadatta asked in turn, Is a piece of stainless, real gold used as an ornament different from another piece of gold not used as an ornament? Rahula answered, No, it is not. Ashokadatta said, Purity and impurity are different in name only, not in any other respect. Why? Because by nature all things are free from filth. They have no contamination or attachment. Ashokadatta continued to Venerable Rahula, You said that one should not teach the Dharma while sitting on a high, broad couch. A bodhisattva sitting on a grass seat surpasses those sitting on high couches and shravakas sitting in the Brahma heaven. Rahula asked, Why so? Ashokadatta asked in return, Rahula, on what kind of a seat does a bodhisattva attain enlightenment? Rahula replied, On a grass seat. Ashokadatta said, When a bodhisattva sits on a grass seat, Shakra, Brahma, the four deva kings who protect the world, and other gods in the billion-fold world universe, including the gods of the Akanastitha heaven, all come to pay homage to them with their palms joined. They come to them and bow with their heads at their feet. Rahula said, It is so! It is so! Then Ashokadatta asked Rahula, Therefore, does not such a bodhisattva who sits on a grass seat surpass others sitting on high spacious couches or shravakas sitting in the Brahma heaven? At that time, King Ajatashatru asked Ashokadatta, Do you not know that Rahula is the son of Shakyamuni Tathagata and that he stands first in discipline? Ashokadatta said to her royal father, Please, your majesty, do not say that Rahula is the son of the Tathagata. Your majesty, have you ever seen or heard that a lion gives birth to a jackal? Never. Your majesty, 
Have you ever seen or heard that a universal monarch pays homage to minor kings? Never. Your Majesty, when the Tathagata, like the King of Lions, turns the great Dharma wheel, Shravakas gather around him. Your Majesty, who are the true children of the Tathagata? As far as the true Dharma is concerned, the answer should be Bodhisattvas. Therefore, Your Majesty, do not say that the Tathagata has a son or not. If the Tathagata has any true child, it is the one who brings forth supreme bodhicitta. When this doctrine was spoken, 20,000 ladies in the palace of King Ajatashatru brought forth supreme bodhicitta. 20,000 gods who were satisfied with the doctrine Ashokadatta taught also brought forth bodhicitta after hearing her make a lion's roar. The king said, These people are the sons of past, present, and future Buddhas. How can those who study the Shravaka precepts to free only themselves from afflictions be the true children of the Tathagata? Thereupon, the gods scattered flowers around the Buddha and all over the city of Rajgriha as an offering to the maiden Ashokadatta. Then... Ashokadatta stepped down from her couch and paid homage to those shravakas. She gave them various kinds of delicious fragrant food and drink as offerings, all according to the rules. After making offerings, she said, I do not know why you venerable shravakas left the Tathagata and came here so early in the morning. You should go out to beg for food only after hearing the Dharma explained. Please, go back. I shall be there in a moment. Thereupon, Ashokadatta, together with her royal father and mother, and surrounded by countless people of Rajgriha, went to see the Tathagata that morning. They all bowed down with their heads at the Buddha's feet and sat down to one side. The Shravakas also returned to the Buddha, bowed down with their heads at the Buddha's feet, and sat down to one side. Then Venerable Shariputra said to the Buddha, World-honored one, Ashokadatta is marvelous. She has acquired many blessings and great benefits. The Buddha told Venerable Shariputra, Ashokadatta has long ago brought forth supreme bodhicitta, and has planted good roots in the presence of nine billion past Buddhas in order to seek the supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment of the Buddha. Shariputra asked, World Honored One, can she change herself into a man? The Buddha said, Shariputra, do you consider her as a female? Do not take such a view. And why? It is because of the power of the production of will of this bodhisattva that she now appears in female form. Thereupon, Ashokadatta made this declaration. If all dharmas are neither male nor female, then may I now change into a great being in full view of all the people here. After she said this, her female body changed immediately into a great being. 
she ascended into midair to a height of seven palm trees stacked one above the other. There she abided without coming down. Then the world-honored one asked Shariputra, Shariputra, do you see Bodhisattva Ashokadatta staying in midair? Shariputra answered, Yes, I do, world-honored one. The Buddha said, Shariputra, Bodhisattva Ashokadatta will attain supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment after 7,000 myriads of kalpas and will be named Vimala, undefiled Tathagata, the worthy one, the all-knowing one. That Buddha's world will be called Prabhasa, bright, and her lifespan will be 100 kalpas. The true Dharma will prevail there for 10 kalpas with an assembly of 30,000 monastic bodhisattvas, all of whom have reached the stage of non-regression. The ground of that world will be made of clear lapis lazuli and adorned with eight rows of magnificent lotus flowers. The names of the miserable planes of existence will be unknown there. That world will be full of gods. Shariputra, those gods, will enjoy worldly pleasures and the flavor of the supreme dharma, as do the gods in the Tushita heaven. Bodhisattva Shokadatta's mother named Moonlight, had come to the Buddha with King Ajatashatru. After the Buddha had spoken, she said to him with her palms joined, World honored one, I have gained great benefit. I was pregnant with this child for nine months, and now this good child makes a lion's roar. I now dedicate my good roots to the attainment of supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment, so that I may attain supreme enlightenment in the world bright of Vimala, the undefiled Tathagata in the future. Thereupon the Buddha asked Venerable Shariputra, Shariputra, do you see this woman now? Shariputra replied, Yes, I do. The Buddha said, Shariputra, this woman, Moonlight, will be reborn in the heaven of the thirty-three gods after death and will be named Intense Light. When the Bodhisattva Maitreya attains enlightenment, this god, Intense Light, will be the eldest, most prominent son of King Other View. After the prince makes offerings to Maitreya Buddha, he will renounce the household life. He will be able to remember and practice the Dharma taught by Maitreya Buddha from beginning to end. He will see all the Buddhas of the worthy Kalpa and make offerings to them one by one. Then, when Bodhisattva Ashokadatta attains supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment and becomes Vimala, undefiled Tathagata, the god Intense Light will be an emperor named Holder of the Earth and will possess the seven treasures. After he makes offerings to the Tathagatas, he will also attain supreme, unsurpassable enlightenment, and be named Universal Light Tathagata, the Worthy One, the All-Knowing One, and he will establish a Buddha land exactly like that mentioned before. Upon hearing this, Queen Moonlight was overwhelmed with joy, 
she took off her exquisite necklace of precious stones, which cost hundreds of thousands of ounces of gold, and offered it to the Buddha. With the king's permission, she received the five hundred precepts of a nun and began to lead a pure life. Then Bodhisattva Ashokadatta said to the Tathagata, May Bodhisattvas, by virtue of my vow, be reborn by transformation, wearing monastic robes when I attain enlightenment in the future. May the Tathagata, because of my vow, now give me the appearance of a young monk ordained for eight years. Immediately after Bodhisattva Shokadatta uttered these words, she changed into a fully dignified monk dressed in monastic robes. Then Bodhisattva Shokadatta suddenly changed back to her original appearance and said to her father, King Ajatashatru, Your Majesty, all dharmas are like this. They are apart from the forms caused by all discriminations, and they defy all misconceptions. Now, Your Majesty, I have revealed myself again in the form of a maiden. Does Your Majesty see me? The king answered, Yes, I do, but I do not know how to see you as you physically appear, because I just saw you as a monk before seeing you now as a maiden again. The Buddha said to the king, Your Majesty, which form is the true one? You should learn to abide by right view regarding all dharmas. Sentient beings are burning with afflictions because they do not understand the power of dharma. Not understanding the power of dharma, they doubt what should not be doubted. Therefore, you should often keep close to the Tathagata and the youthful Bodhisattva Manjushri, because the awe-inspiring power of that Bodhisattva's virtue will enable your majesty to repent for your past misdeeds. Then the Buddha told Ananda, You should accept and practice this Dharma door of the prophecy of the Bodhisattva Ashokadatta's attainment of Buddhahood. Read and recite it, and do not forget it, Ananda. A good man or a good woman may give to the Buddhas enough of the seven treasures to fill a billion-fold world universe. However, Another person will surpass that person in blessings if they can accept and practice even one sentence or stanza of this Dharma door of the prophecy of Bodhisattva Ashokadatta's attainment of Buddhahood after hearing it explained, not to mention those who read and recite the entire sutra, explain it widely to others, and practice it as taught. When the Tathagata had spoken this Dharma door of the prophecy of Bodhisattva Ashokadatta's attainment of Buddhahood, Queen Moonlight, Ashokadatta's mother, and all the gods, dragons, and asuras, and so forth, were jubilant over the Buddha's teaching. They accepted it with faith and began to practice it with veneration.